great to be with you and, and among friends. Many of you I've met along the way as a, a board member for the past nine years. Uh, it's been a joy to work with NBC and uh, our new president. We're excited about the future of NBC. And uh, it's kind of interesting hearing your conversation as I entered in. Um, I went to Olivet for grad school, uh, one of my master's degrees, and sat among Salvation Army officers there. And my kids still live just south of Chicago, where I survived Christmas at below nine degree uh, temperatures this past year. So I understand that area fully. Uh, good to be with you today. And I think part of the conversation actually fits into where I was uh, going to share with you for a few moments this morning. Um, I grew up as a preacher's kid. Uh, Dad pastored Circleville Nazarene Church. I don't know if many of you know the Circleville Church in Ohio, but uh, in those early days in Circleville, uh, I remember as a kid, Dad took off on one of those pilgrimages to the Holy Lands. Anybody get that chance to take a pilgrimage to the Holy Lands? And uh, he came back and he came home with all of these wonderful little possessions, all the trinkets that tourists typically buy. And uh, he had things for all of the kids and all the kids at the church and some things for the church itself. But for us, he had these little uh, camels that were hand cut and painted and they were in sets of three with uh, metal chain links linking them together, uh, painted backs and faces. And they were kind of family treasured items made out of olive wood. And uh, he, he carefully packaged them and got them home to us so that they would be in one piece. And about a month or so after we got home, he turned over one of them and on the bottom it said, made in China. And uh, I, I think you can imagine his heartbreak because he thought he was buying these very unique handmade items for his kids and his church. And it was just mass produced trinkets from a shop in, in Bethlehem. And uh, I think it kind of hints to us the importance of something that's handmade and hand produced. Uh, those things are unique, they're time consuming, they're irreplaceable. Uh, someone's poured their life and their energy and their talents into it. And it's it's not something that's done through repetitive motion or machinery or systems. I think I heard you talking about face-to-face -face communication and face-to-face -face teaching in an age of Zoom meetings. And uh, I think it's pretty important, these handmade items, how special they are. Uh, when my wife and I left Marietta, Ohio Church as staff members for several years, the women of the church had gathered together and, and they had a little quilting club that met on Friday mornings. And in our last Sunday there, they presented us with this handmade quilt with patches from several members of the congregation. And we still keep that quilt as a special keepsake to us because they poured their lives into it, and it was something special that we hung on to. Uh, if you look at Numbers chapter 7, in Numbers chapter 7, we hear the story that Moses finished up setting up the tabernacle, and he anointed and consecrated all the furnishings. He anointed and consecrated the altar and its utensils. 
And then the leaders of Israel, the heads of the families who were tribal leaders in charge of those who, who counted, they made offerings. They brought as their gifts before the Lord six covered carts, 12 oxen, an ox from each leader and a cart from every two, and they presented them before the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, accept these from them that they may be used for the work of the tent of meetings and give them to the Levites as each man's work requires. Now, I think we understand the 12 tribes and they had all of those things brought in. Each of the tribes brought an ox and every two tribes brought a, a cart. And we have three groups of people that are going to care for uh, the tent of meetings. And our math here is pretty simple. Six carts, 12 oxen divided by three groups. You know, even, even we can figure this out. Each group gets two carts, four oxen. Everybody's happy. And, and yet we realize God's math sometimes is a little different than our math. And, and he uh, designed things differently. And so Moses began to give out the materials, and one group got two carts and four oxen. Another group got four carts and eight oxen, but the Kohathites got nothing. And, and it's interesting that the Kohathites could have done what our generation would do and, and scream, that's unfair, it's inequality, uh, you know, in our generation, we can't have that. We can't have inequality. We have to have everything equal outcomes. And, and so they, they could have complained and whined about it, but some things had to be carried by hand. And some things could be set, sent and moved by ox cart. So the Kohathites were given this responsibility to carry the holy things of God. And, and we understand from the history of it all that those holy things of the inner temple would be carefully wrapped and carefully preserved and hand carried rather than placed on a, on a cart, the candlestick, the bread, the, the holy articles of the temple. And uh, I think we all remember what happened when we tried, when David tried to move those things by ox cart. You know, God was not pleased by that. And our worldview is, is fairness and, and this equality issue. And, and uh, I tend to be, and I fully admit this to everybody around here, just don't tell anybody at my district, but I'm a bit OCD about stuff. Uh, everything has to be ABC, everything has to be in the lines and structured and organized. And if I go to a, hear a pastor's sermon and they give me an outline with blank lines, if I get to the end of the sermon and I don't have all the little blind lines filled in, I have to go find out what goes in that other line because I can't leave it blank. And, and we're in a generation where we fill in all the spots, we fill in all the markers, and if you don't, when you hit the submit button, it bounces back and tells you, you you haven't gotten it all done yet. We computerize things that can be done by pencil and paper easily. Everybody smile. <laughs> we, we do all of these things because we live in a generation that's mechanical and repetitious and uh, inanimate in, in, objects and routines that lack understanding of what the big picture is. We only know our little part of the production line. We, we produce this part and we don't see the big picture of, of everything that's made. And because of that, we lack uh, 
our heart and mind being in, in it and our spontaneity. And then that attitude begins to creep into the church and we talk about people as if they're machines or parts. We downscale, we retool, we recalibrate our programs. We have downtime, downshifting. And if we're not careful, even at a superintendency among congregations, we have pulpit supply, we fill a church, and we talk about these things as if they're parts and machinery that can just be replaced. And if someone leaves, we'll just replace it with another part like someone else. And truly, there is a place in our ministry that machinery can assist us. Uh, mass systems and sending out emails and things like that are always beneficial. But the fact of the matter is the primary mission of the church can't be done through mass production. It's all handmade. It's very intimate. It's very personal. It's We pour our lives into it. And so my question for us today is what happens when our ministries and our mission become ox carts rather than a, doing something by hand? Uh, we try to move the things of God, the holy things of the church, through a system and a new program. And uh, I, I may get booted out of here, and if I see that the Zoom meeting just disappears on me, I'll know what happened, but I'm going to say it anyway. I, I'm old enough to remember when we were a part of a holiness movement and not a denomination. Uh, we were a part of something grand that was personally driven because we are a movement of God moving within us. And, and our problem is when we begin to plateau or decline, we'll resort to some program or system to jumpstart the church rather than do what it takes to have that personal contact with people in our world and touch lives for the kingdom. If we're not careful in our desperation, we'll rely on these gimmicks and practices, programs and methods, and we try to jumpstart things because hands-on work of the kingdom is time-consuming, it, it takes effort, it takes a part of us. And like David, we try to put these holy things of God into an ox cart, and we package Christ as if it's a combo meal at Chick-fil-A, and all you have to do is just, you know, order number one, and be happy. Uh, if you don't believe that, just go to Google and type in uh, Christian, Christian programs for church growth. I did that the other day, and 65,500,000 Google hits come up. Are you ready? Uh, stuff like double your church attendance, evangelism explosion, small groups in America, seven touches, discipleship groups, Maxwell Corporation groups, Leadership Dimension, Small Church Institute, Church Office Management. Don't worry, I'm not going to give all 65 million. Uh, I only have a few minutes here. But Church Growth Outreach Marketing Systems, Lakeland Method, Empowering Church, New Church University, Parish Meetings, Team Days, Purpose Driven Life, Purpose Driven Family, Purpose Driven Church. And if we're not careful, we'll go to M Conferences, M3, M7, M11. Oops, sorry. That got a little too close to home, didn't it? Uh, we buy all the promo materials. We go to the conferences. We get the notebooks, and we come home, and, and we try to take these programs and methods, and we force them into the life of the church as if it's going to jumpstart things. And the result is we have a bookshelf 
full of notebooks that haven't really done anything but gotten our $18.95 per month for the program or the system. And, and we go through all of these programs and systems and, and we fly all over the world to mimic these program successes because certainly there's a better way to reach people than just talking to them, right? Sorry, just my <laughs> attitude and the way I see things. And, and so our walls are lined with all of these programs. And then if it doesn't work, well, maybe we just have the wrong color of ox cart or, or maybe the radio on the ox cart has the wrong channel to it. We need different music. And we try to interject these things as if that's a holy thing of God when it's nothing more than an ox cart, a system or a method or a program. And don't get me wrong, we can learn from one another and we can learn what's working and what the transferable concepts are, why something's working. But it seems oftentimes in our desperation, we try to 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 just force a system onto us rather than understand what it is to pour our lives into the kingdom work. Um, I could put it this way. If, if God had it in his mind that the book behind me over here needed to be moved to someplace over here on this side of the table, uh, I just believe that God could snap his fingers or just think the thought and the book would be moved and it would be placed there. I have, I don't have any doubt that God could move something in that way. Uh, I've never seen it. I've, I've never experienced it that way. And I'm not saying that he can't, but I've never seen it that way. Most often, he'll lay it upon someone's heart or speak to them and tell them, hey, why don't you go touch this and, and put it where I need it to be? And God moves things through us rather than just through a whim, because he wants to work through humanity, to touch humanity. I know thousands of times where God has spoken to someone's heart about going to see someone or, or making a personal contact at just the right time. Uh, let me just share a, a personal memory. My last pastorate, uh, Grandma Desi was a member of our church, and she was the matriarch of a clan four generations of Nazarenes in that church. Grandma Desi was the eldest of them all and, and was a part of the church. And we relocated, we built a new church building all on one ground level. So Desi was happy, happy at her age. And she would come in on her walker every Sunday morning, get dropped off by the door and come through the doors. And she would stop for a moment and give me a little wave. And then she'd just take her way down toward her Sunday school classroom. Uh, I knew she had something important sometimes because she would come in the door and she would tilt her walker directly toward me. And she would just make her way directly toward me until she was right in front of me. And she had a, a loving way of getting my attention. She would grab my tie and pull me down until my face was nose to nose to her. And, and she would look me in the eye and she would tell me what she would need to tell me and then let me go and go back to work. And it was just something that she loved to do. And, and so on this particular Sunday, uh, I, I knew she had something important to tell me because she made a beeline toward me. And she got right up to me and she grabbed my tie and pulled me down. She looked me in the eye and said, 
my granddaughter is coming to church for the first time this morning. Now, the other family members had told me that her granddaughter had comes to her house once a week, clean the house and help clean the house for Grandma Desi, taking care of things, making sure the dishes and the groceries were cared for. And every, every time her granddaughter was there, Desi would witness to her and share her faith and talk to her. And I found out from one of the grandkids that Desi would actually intentionally mess things up in the house so that she would have more time to talk to her granddaughter about her faith. And, and she just leave things in disarray and leave things uncared for so her granddaughter would have to spend more time. And uh, on this particular Sunday, she had made her way to me. She grabbed my tie. She pulled me down and said, my granddaughter's coming to church today for the very first time. I said, Desi, that's great. I'm looking forward to meeting her. I'm, I'm excited about that. And she kept on holding my tie and she looked me in the eye and said, are you preaching today? I said, yeah, I, I'm preaching today. Nothing else is going on. I'm, it's a regular service. I'm going to preach. She pulled me in a little tighter and she said, don't mess it up. <laughs> now, she let go of my tie and went on to Sunday school. But what I learned as a pastor was that Desi had poured her life into someone, hands-on, personal touch, and she was so invested in it that she had given her life to see her grandkids going to the kingdom. And that taught me a lot about what it is to be a person of faith. You can't do it through systems, through programs, through evangelistic efforts. But this one-on-one -on -one communication and building friendships, building systems. If God wanted to save the world through a program, the Church of the Nazarene would be the largest denomination in the world because we got programs everywhere. We've got all the programs you ever want to have. But the fact of the matter is Jesus came into the world in a one-on-one -on -one personal relationship with us to touch us personally and individually, to show us what it is to love people. And then when we talk about loving others as Christ has loved us, we understand it. It's personal. It's individual. He ate with sinners and tax collectors. He went to parties. He went to weddings. He expressed grace to people who were living in sin. He welcomed people of other nationalities. He loved the unclean of society, and he healed the sick. And all of that was going on. He was carrying the weight of the world on his heart. And as we think about uh, what it is to be a people of God in all of this, there are, are great things that we can do through computers and Zoom meetings and, and digital computerization and systems that we have and programs that the church offers. But the most sacred things, those holy things of God, have to be carried by hand. And when we get those assignments, we have to be careful not to be ungrateful that we have to do the hard work of carrying something by hand. Rather, we have to recognize God has given us that assignment because it's sacred, it's holy, and it can only be done when he works through us 
to touch the lives of other people. And that's the message I had on my heart today. Um, I heard you talking about one-on-one classroom again, face-to-face and touching people with this message of hope. And it just seemed like it, Lord saying, yeah, that's the right direction for us today. Hope that God, that God can use us to touch people for the kingdom this week, one-on-one, very personally.